Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center. Hi. Who said hi to me with my name? Hi. One person. Hi, everybody. It's a little sparsy today, huh? Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Some awesome, I'm Carrie. I'm one of the pastors here at Vox, and we're excited to have you here today. I was thinking this morning, I don't know why I wore my glasses up here because it's hard for me to see with my glasses on. Um, I was thinking this morning when I got up just how thankful I am for this community and I was laying there in bed. You know when you kind of like lay there in bed and before you get up and you're just kind of thinking about things and what you're going to do that day? And I was just thinking so, and this is truly genuine. I was thinking about just this community and you guys and how thankful I am for this space. And I was just so excited to come here today and see your beautiful faces. And I just hope you know that we... Like we think about you when we're not here and you impact us when, even when it's not, you know, Sunday, you impact me anyway. I can't speak. Maybe Ronnie doesn't care about you. I don't know, but no, he does. He does. Um, Hey, today is a cool day. Hey, Jade. Good to see you here. Um, This marks today the two-year soft launch of Vox. So we have been around for two years. So we're still here, guys. <laughs> We've been through a lot, <laughs> but we are still here. And one of the things that was cool this morning was to just chat a little bit with some of the volunteers and talk about what we've kind of been through and what we've done. And um, and just this idea of being forged, that whenever you want to do something new or whenever anything is, you know, being shaped, it gets forged through a fire. And, um, and you know something beautiful comes out of it on the other side. And I believe that's what's happened here. And... Um, We've been forged. Uh, There's a lot of uh, fire we've had to go through, but I'm going to say and claim today that we have come out on the other side, and I don't even think we smell like smoke, so I think we're doing all right. Um, I'm pretty impressed by what God's doing here today. We have a couple announcements for you, Uh, uh, so we're going to put those on the board because I never remember. Oh, the community fair community picnic, county fair community picnic. This is going to be awesome. May 27th, we're going to do it right here out on the grass area. We're going to do full carnival style. We're going to do like pie eating contests, chili cook-off. We're going to have just a full picnic. It's going to be really fun just to kick off summer and just kick off our awesomeness. And this would be a great time. Here's my plug. This would be a great time for you to bring a friend. Um, But truly, it would be a great time for you to bring a friend because who doesn't want to see people eat pie with no hands? I think that's a fun time. We'll just do that on a Tuesday. But uh, that's going to be May 27th. Mother's Day is coming next Sunday. I'm excited about being here Mother's Day. I have an awesome message. Oh, we're not allowed to say who's preaching next somebody's preaching and has an awesome message on next Sunday. Um, uh, And I'm really excited about that. Uh, We are going to have a photo um, opportunity outside. So you'll get some cool professional pictures with you and your mom and your kids or you and your husband or whatever. I don't know if it's just you and a dude and you just want to take a picture. That's cool too. Um, So we're going to have that. That's going to be awesome. We have worship today. We have an awesome message from Ronnie today. We have a place for you just to sit and be you. You and that is what Vox is about. So you can breathe and chill and relax and hear what God has to share with you today. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So without further ado, 
Ronnie Roa is going to come on out. Hey, thank you. Kill it. Kill it. Thanks for that, uh, that compliment about my message next week. Yeah. Oh, you weren't talking about me? Oh, okay. All right. I'm offended now. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Everybody okay? Everybody's alive? We're doing well? Great. Okay, good. I'm enthusiastic about today as well. Uh, we are going to look at one single verse this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it. If you have it on your phone, you can use that as well. No one will think you're texting or taking pictures of yourself. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have the verses that will be up on the screen as well, so you can follow along there. Um, I want to talk about this verse because um, the truth is I've used it wrongly. Uh, I've been one of those people who's taken it sort of out of its context in a vacuum and used it and misappropriated it. And actually, I think it's pretty toxic when we understand how this passage is meant to be used and the way that we've used it. And so the passage this morning that we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Um, you've probably heard this expression if you've been around Christians or you've been around church for a little bit. Um, if you're new to church and new to Christians, then just kind of sit back and listen to um, this, this conversation about about how we critique and how we look at the way that um, we as a subculture uh, treat people and treat each other. So that's kind of what we're going to dive into. And so um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, this particular passage falls into a larger set of verses. Um, we would call this the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is the discourse that Jesus gives, one of the first messages he preaches to a group of people standing around listening. And now you have to understand something about the people that are listening. These people are the, the marginalized, the outcast people in society. And here is Jesus um, talking about his kingdom and what the kingdom looks like. And so it follows a very um, important succession. So you can't take the Sermon on the Mount and just take pieces a part of it. It all fits together because he's Jesus, right? Um, he's the greatest teacher ever. And so he teaches it in a very succinct order. And so we're going to kind of look at that and where this passage fits. But let me just read it to you. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. It says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. You've heard this before? If you do, they may trample them under feet and, tear, and then turn and tear you to pieces. The Bible has all kinds of passages like this that have been taken out of context, pulled apart, implemented in our society, and used. And oftentimes, it's out of context, right? You've heard some of the different ones that, like, uh, the truth will set you free, right? How many people have said that? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But how many people know where that fits into the context of what Jesus was actually saying? I mean, you've heard this saying, bad company corrupts good morals, right? How, do you, how does that work? How do we apply that? Where does that come from? So it's important that we understand because when we, we take things out of a vacuum like that, it can become toxic and abusive. So hopefully we'll shed some light on this passage together. I've entitled this message, Pearl Pushers. Pearl Pushers. And we have to ask ourselves some questions about, are we pushing pearls on people? Uh, would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for our time. Thank you that we get to gather together, um, that we get to be vulnerable and transparent and authentic, that um, this mask, this, this, this self-image um, that we have to sort of 
put on when we step out, that, we, that would just sort of fade away, that we can become the kind of community um, that isn't afraid to embrace our humanity, that isn't afraid to embrace who we are um, and in the world that we live, but that we actually bring hope to people because we believe that Jesus gives hope, that you show us a kingdom and a way to be and a way to live that is actually best for all of us. And so we pray that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds this morning. Um, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Anybody here struggle with control issues? Yeah, laughter. <laughs> yeah, okay. So if you don't think that you struggle with control issues, maybe there's a specific situation you could find yourself in that would sort of um, magnify it. For me, it's driving in the car with my wife, right? Um, my wife's watching in the nursery right now, so she's listening to this. Um, Nothing brings out the worst in me than when I'm sitting passenger when my wife is driving, right? Um, and you know the type. Like if you're if you're this person, um, I, I pretend that like my foot is on, on a brake when she doesn't slow down fast enough. You know, like I'm leaning back in the seat, pushing on like slow, 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 slow. I, I have a commentary for how close or how far she is away from cars, um, how soon she makes a right hand turn, how soon she makes a left hand turn. I, I, I'm like, I want to drive. My wife just looks at me and goes, "Next time, you're driving." <laughs> And I end up never driving. I just let her drive, and I just want to be a backseat driver and a commentator, right? And I have control issues. Uh, I realize how bad that is, and, like, I, I'm getting better. Like, I just got to keep my mouth shut, but I have the white-knuckle grip while we're driving. Like, oh, gosh, we're going to die, you know? Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. If it's maybe it's at home with the remote control or what people are watching. Or I know dads are like thermostats. You're like a control freak with the thermostat. Like nobody should touch the thermostat in the house, right? You've got these, these control issues. Um, uh, and so what, what do we do with that? How do, we, how do we understand why we do these things? Because it's not just about um, controlling a situation. Oftentimes it's about controlling others, and we do this subtly, right? We, we control people around us uh, in, in many different ways. And I was thinking about this. One of the ways we control people is we, we manipulate truth, right? We might omit certain parts of a story or certain parts of something in order to convey a certain message in order to manipulate. And that's a way of control, right? How about guilt and shame? Anybody ever been controlled through guilt and shame? My guess is if you've been a part of a church community at any point, you've experienced guilt and shame as a control mechanism, right? This is a powerful motivator, right? Guilt and shame is a powerful way to make people feel bad and do something different, right? So we understand control in that sense. Expectations, right? We put expectations on people, on things, on opportunities, on places. That's a way of sort of controlling things and having people live up to them. Anger, we use frustration. How about this one? Emotional in, a, in availability. So when I'm upset with my wife, I just don't talk to her, right? That's a way of control. I'm trying to control her. I'm trying to control the situation. Uh, how about knowledge? Anybody ever felt controlled by someone who's in the know, who knows everything, right? And, and you don't know, and if you would just listen to what I have to say, then you would understand, right? That's a way of control and manipulation. How about dominance? How about having dominance over people? I have the power and you don't. That's a way of control as well. You see, when Jesus entered into the place and the time that he was at, the kingdom, the world, as the way it was working, was sort of this upside-down place. 
there was all of these things that we talked about, people being controlled through power, through manipulation, through violence. And when Jesus stepped into humanity in this place, he took this upside down world and began to flip it right side up. But to the people, the hearers, it was this this new message of, could this really be? Is this really possible? Have we really got it wrong? He ushered into this world his kingdom amidst millions of other tiny kingdoms, right? You understand what a kingdom is, right? A kingdom is the power of your effective will. It's what you want to get done gets done, right? You have your kingdom or you have your queendom, right? And I know that you have a kingdom and I know that you have a queendom because if I was to like say there's a girl in here and I was to say, can I see your purse and start digging through your purse? You'd be like, hold on a second, what's going on, right? That's your queendom. That's the things that you have control over. It's what when you want something done, you have immediate control of it, right? And God has a kingdom as well. And he invites us to submit our kingdom, our many kingdoms into his kingdom. Control is a powerful way of trying to manipulate other people's kingdoms, forcing your kingdom on top of other people, which is why Jesus later on says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for, your, for my sake, you will save it. Think about that. This is true, right? Parents, you've understand this, right? You ever tried to control your kids? How's that worked out for you, right? Have you ever tried to control anybody? How has that worked out for you? You know, when we, one of the ways we try to control our kids, and I know this, is like, uh, uh, don't do this, don't do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. We put a lot of fences around them. And you know what kids do to fences? They blast right through them, right? And you can see this, right? Especially in, in like church world, the way that we try to control our kids, because we, we, we so desperately want them to do the thing that we want for them instead of allowing them to be themselves and experience and explore. And I'm guilty of this, right? How does it work when we try to control people? How does that work for us? Especially like in religious circles. We, we try to push control on other people, right? And we, we say it's in the name of evangelism. It's in the name of the gospel. And maybe it's a good thing. But this idea of control and controlling others is dangerous. Side note, there is a good form of control. The only control God ever says that you should have. You know what that is? Self-control. Right? You want to control something? Control yourself. That's a hard thing, isn't it? That's a hard thing to control ourselves because immediately we find ourselves wanting to project and push out onto other people and we want our big kingdom to mesh with other people's kingdoms and if we could just control other people's kingdoms and our life would just be better, right? If people just did what I want them to do, things would be better. Anyone else feel that way? I feel that way. People just need to understand. <laughs> right? See, that's, that's the way we try to manipulate. That's the way we try to control. One of the ways this is done is through condemnation and judgment. You see, remember I told you that the Sermon on the Mount fits in a successive order. Jesus is addressing certain things within the culture, within the world. And one of the things that he is addressing is this idea of elitism. Because in Jesus' day and in his culture, um, people were putting themselves in classes and places in order to elevate themselves. It's a good thing we don't struggle with that in America, right? 
And the Bible's outdated, but it doesn't affect us today. So we don't have to deal with that. So just kind of just observe, right? Jesus finds himself in the midst of a culture steeped in elitism and exclusionary ways of, of living life. It mattered what tribe you were from. It mattered what you did for work. It mattered who your family was. And it mattered where you lived. And all of these things played into this idea of control, right? Because if you have the right place, if you have the right job, if you live in the right city, if you have the right family, if you have the right last name, well, then you were elevated into a different place that gave you rights, that gave you privileges, that gave you the ability to do things that other people couldn't. And that's a subtle form of control and manipulation. And, and what would happen in Jesus's day is people would become very judgmental and then they would condemn. And so if you look at the passage in context, in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 1, Jesus says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. He says, For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard which you will be judged. Yikes. Right? He's saying the way that you judge, the way that you view people, the way that you see people around you, the way that you push people, the way that you control people, the way that you manipulate people, that is going to be come back onto you. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Anybody have uh, log eye disease? <laughs> I got log eye disease, right? I've always got uh, a firsthand vision on somebody else's issues in their life, uh, and I could just fix them. Remember, it goes back to my control issues. If I could, they would just listen to me, they'd be all right, you know? And Jesus says, look at your own eye. You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. See, this elitist mentality creates a form of judgmentalism. And what judgmentalism does is it devalues people as image bearers of Christ. It doesn't see their intrinsic value and their intrinsic worth as brothers and sisters, as fellow humans. It says that you're less than. You're not as important. You don't have the same place as I do. And it's dangerous, and it's toxic, and it hurts people, and it damages people. And so this is the world in which Jesus enters into and starts to begin to take this upside-down world and flip it right side up. It's as if he's giving them glasses for the first time to be able to see clearly the way the world works. And he actually is inviting the rest of the world to enter into his kingdom that doesn't see the world the same way, that actually values people that sees the intrinsic worth of individuals, regardless of where they're from or who they are, where their family is or what job they do or where they live. Imagine a community that did that, right? And this is what Jesus calls his hearers to. When Jesus says this whole discourse in Matthew 7 about do not judge Look at the speck in your own eye before you look at the, the, look at the log in your own eye before you look in the speck in somebody else's eye. What Jesus is actually doing is he's leveling the playing field. You see, people had stacked themselves up in places, and Jesus is leveling the playing field with everybody. He's saying, no, no, let's all come down to this one level here. Let's look at what we're doing. Then he goes into this passage, the one that we all have heard. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So how do people use this passage? How have you heard this passage used? 
Well, here's how I've used it, and here's how I've, I've often had it been used before. You try to tell somebody some good advice, and they brush you off. And you know what? You go back and you tell somebody, yeah, I tried to talk to so-and-so about it, but they didn't listen to me. That's okay. You know why? Because I'm not going to give my pearls before swine. Right? You've heard that past. I've used it that way. It's a way to dismiss another person who didn't want to listen to your precious pearls. Right? Jesus addresses judgmentalism and then talks about this idea of putting your pearls before swine. I've heard it used this way too. I tried to share Jesus to this person and they just rejected it. Oh, I can't, I can't put my pearls before swine. Right? And what is that saying subtly? That person is a pig? That person is swine? They're not worthy? They don't deserve it? This can't be the truth, right? This can't be what Jesus is actually meaning because if that's the way that Jesus meant it, then Jesus was the pearl of God sent to heaven And who were the swine that trampled him? Would that be us? Well, by that logic, it would be, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. No, it goes much deeper. You see, the problem with pearls for pigs is not that the pigs are not worthy. See, worthiness is not the question. It's helpfulness. I'll tell you what I mean. Can pigs digest pearls? Can they eat a pearl for nourishment to feed their bodies for what they need? No. So when we bring our precious pearls of wisdom or knowledge or religion or something and try to cram it or push it down somebody's throat and they reject it, what Jesus is actually giving a commentary on is going, what you're trying to give them is not useful. It's not helpful. So change the way that you think. Change the way that you approach Change the way that you interact. Isn't that a different way of looking at that passage? It's not about worthiness of a person. It's about the helpfulness of the message that we're trying to give. But you might say to yourself, well, people need to know Jesus, Ronnie. We've got to evangelize. We've got to tell people. And so what do we do? I don't know the answer. I've got questions too. But I know that sometimes the way that we try to push our pearls on people isn't working and it isn't helpful. And it certainly isn't helpful to take a passage like this and then to dismiss people because that's a way of control, right? It's a way of saying, well, they didn't want to accept what I had to offer so I can just dismiss them away. This isn't who Jesus is. This isn't the message that Jesus is giving. Jesus is trying to shift our understanding about the people around us. He wants us to see us as equal on level playing field. I love what Dallas Willard says about this passage. What we're doing with our condemnation and wonderful solutions is taking others out of their own responsibility and out of God's hand and trying to bring them under our control. That's a dangerous game. If, we, if people would just accept our pearls, they'd be much better off. If people understood this truth that I have, they would just be better off. But since they're not listening, well, I'm not going to throw my pigs, my pearls before pigs. It's a toxic and dangerous way of taking what Jesus said and misappropriating it. And so this is actually a commentary on how we, as a community, go and love people 
and share the message of Jesus. You know, he says, if you do, if you throw your pearls before swine, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Why do you think that is? Well, because pearls aren't edible, but at least you are. Right? You try to feed a dog or an animal that's hungry, something that it can't eat, it's going to bite you. It's usefulness. It's what's helpful. So I might suggest that what might be helpful is to sit with people in their experience rather than shove truth or push a pearl that they can't digest. I experienced this through um, a pretty uh, tough time in my marriage, struggling, and I've I've shared this story before, going through a terrible time in our marriage where I thought our marriage was going to be destroyed forever, and there were a lot of people who were well-meaning who came to push pearls on me. You need to read this passage. You need to understand this. You need to do this. And really, what I needed was people to just sit with me and understand what it felt like to be hurt, to suffer, to have pain, to know my experience. You see, that's what it looks like to be Jesus' people, to see the intrinsic worth and value in others, to never dismiss, dismiss anyone because we're not seeing eye to eye. Or maybe our message isn't being delivered in a way that's helpful. And so we might have to rethink the way that we do those things. This is the kingdom that Jesus ushers in and says, will you be the kind of people that invite others into that? Be as I was. I pray that Vox would be a place that does that, that thinks long and hard about our message, about our approach, about the helpfulness and the usefulness of the things that we want to give to people. I wouldn't want to be a place that pushes pearls on others and then dismisses when they don't accept it. I hope this raises questions for you in your mind because it raises a lot of questions in my mind about how we evangelize, how we share, how we love people. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I just know that we've got to do something different. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you that as humans and as we try to understand your word, we mess it up and we're messy people, but you, you love us in the messiness. You never give up on us in the messiness. And in this crazy way that only you can, you extend grace over and over and over again. Thank you for walking with us in our journey, for allowing us the space to mess up, to fail, to come back. Thank you for calling us your children in whom you're well pleased. Pray for this community that it would become the kind of people who usher in your kingdom, who see value in others, who elevate those who are marginalized, who would fight for those on the fringes. Thankful, Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. At Vox, the, the value, the point of all of what we do here on a Sunday is pushing towards the Eucharist or communion. Um, the unique thing about communion is that it does exactly what Jesus was doing in this passage. It levels the playing field. You see, communion is a way of saying all are welcome. 
but there's no status. That one person isn't allowed to go and another person isn't simply because. No, what Jesus says is that everyone can come. Everyone has a place at the table with Jesus. And so when you step up to take communion, you are connecting with Jesus in a new way. And we invite you. If you feel like, oh, I can't take communion, well, guess what? You're exactly the person who should come and take communion. If you think, oh, this is for me, well, maybe you need to rethink whether or not that's for you because this is a leveling of the playing field that everybody is welcome. We have communion up front. We have communion right there in the back. There's gluten-free over there if you need it. Um, Over the next few minutes is going to be a time for you to respond, to sit and listen and hear what God is saying to you. Izzy and the band are going to play some songs. You can stand and sing. You can sit and contemplate. The point is to respond and to be and to to contemplate, to listen to what Jesus is saying. So this is your time now. You can receive communion as you feel led. Oh, so good. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Uh, Well, I hope you guys have a good morning, good rest of your weekend. Don't forget Mother's Day is next weekend. There's going to be pictures. It's going to be awesome. So invite friends, invite family. We'd love to have you out. Also, before as you leave, you can also participate in the participation boxes there. If you love being a part of this community, want to help that way, we would always appreciate that. Um, But if not, that's fine. We will see you next weekend for Mother's Day. It's going to be awesome. So look forward to seeing you guys. God bless. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.